Welcome to In The Room, the Vital Leadership Podcast. Vital Church is a multicultural, bilingual church located in McAllen, Texas. Visit our website, vitalchurch.com, where you'll find links to all our media platforms. For now, sit in the room with us as Pastor Carla leads the conversation, Pastor Charlie adds commentary, and the Vital Church staff provides input and feedback on topics of church ministry, leadership, vision, culture, and more. We also sprinkle in a little Spanish, a little humor, and some storytelling. Let's get in the room. Good morning, team. Good morning. morning. Hope you guys are doing well. Uh, Last week, Carla, we were supposed to cover uh, two ways to help your volunteers work together. And we covered the stay in your lane point. Today, we're going to talk about another element, which I think is very important. So I'm going to let you introduce that subject. And although, Han, you were mentioning stay in your lane, it's a simple phrase, but it goes a long way. It carries a lot of weight. It's very important. And today we're going to cover benefit of the doubt. How many of you have heard us, both my husband and I, say give people the benefit of the doubt? Yes. This is very, very important because challenges will arise, especially when we start seeing growth. And we see right now the church alive. On Sunday, I was talking to a few of you. It was a packed service. At the end, I mentioned something and I said, these are just signs that the church is alive. And these are good challenges. These are good things. So challenges will arise when we begin to experience growth, when we hire uh, new staff, and also when people serve in multiple areas. So let's go straight to it. When someone in the team or a volunteer or in the staff does something out of character, and we feel they stepped out of line, what do we do? Sometimes the easiest thing is to be offended. That's the easiest thing. But in our Christian walk, that's not an option. We cannot be easily offended. Instead, we have to give people the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Luke six thirty one, do to others as you would have them do to you. Matthew 7, 2. It says, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. These are great scriptures because how how many of you have said the wrong thing at the wrong time? Raise your hand or say, woohoo, because people can't see you. (laughs) And I raised both hands and both feet. (laughs) How many of you have been in a bad mood and you took it out on somebody? You're just having a bad day. You took it. <laughs> How many of you have accidentally said hi to somebody you thought they were somebody and you told them the wrong name? Has that happened to you? <laughs> okay. When you, we do that, when that's an action on our part, we pray that people are merciful and say, Lord, oh my goodness, that was not my intention. That was not my heart. But when somebody, it's coming from somebody else, why are we easily offended? Mm-hmm. Why do we judge? Why do have, we have this preconceived notion that they're out to get me? They don't like me. You know, the Word of God says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If you know that somebody did something out of character, they crossed the line. I think here in our staff, we have a pretty healthy working relationship, and we joke around, and we get along. But we always say in Spanish, I don't know how to say it in English, and help me out or somebody help me out. No bromeo empezado. How do you say it? Don't joke heavy. (laughs) (laughs) Don't cross any lines that you shouldn't. Don't ever make jokes at the expense of someone else. 
we work hard and, you know, there are times when we want to laugh and we want that atmosphere, but never at the expense of someone else. So if you know that somebody said something that offended you or could have offended you, you say, man, you know, I, I'm not going to judge. I'm sure something happened to this person. They're usually not this way. I'm not going to be offended. Matthew 7, 5. It says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Throughout our ministry years, we've had to learn when we are dealing with leaders, when we're dealing with volunteers, or when we walk into a situation between a leader and a volunteer, we have to turn off the fire. We have to be the peace that walks into the room. We have to be that voice of reason that walks into the conversation. Because sometimes, as we explained earlier, things happen out of character. People cross the line. Sometimes when people have seen me recently dealing with heavy issues, uh, people around me will ask me, how did you have the patience to deal with that in such, in such a calm and forgiving way? And I say, well, the Lord will always remind me of this scripture. Take the log out of your own eye before you try to take the speck out of your friend's eye, right? So I picture myself being on the other side, how I want people to approach me, how I want to be corrected. That's how you deal with problems. I think the point there that Jesus was making was that before you look at somebody else, you look inward. This visual or this metaphor of an eye Jesus is using one of the most sensitive parts of the body. Something stuck in our eye. How do we take it out? We take it out very carefully, yeah. very gently. And so in leadership, you're going to have to make judgment calls. But in doing so, what Christ is asking you to do is do it gently. Do it mercifully. Yes. Do it the way. Take the speck out of somebody else's eye the way you would take out the log out of your own eye. I think that that's the visual that Jesus is trying to portray there. It's very easy to see faults in others, but it's very hard to see them in ourselves. Yes. Because when you realize there's faults in you, when you realize there's things you need to change, that makes us extremely uncomfortable. Yes. Especially when we've been a certain way for so long. Damaris has walked with us in, in youth ministry, hun, when we were youth pastors, and she's seen us along the way as recent as, as a couple of days ago. I'll ask her, Hey, Damaris, do you see growth in me? Do you see my character improving? I want your feedback. And I value her input because she literally, you know, has seen how the Lord has worked with me in molding my character. Another person is my sister, Dee. You know, we grew up together, pastor's kids, and she knows the challenges, that the hurdles that I've had to face. And it's not easy to put yourself out there. Because when somebody tells you, you know what, I think you could have done this different. I think you should improve on this. Here you are thinking, well, I thought I was doing it right. And you realize you're not. Those things, they're not easy. But let me tell you, it's possible to change the way you've been. If you say, this is how I am, this is my character, and, and I can't change it, let me tell you, the Lord can. That's why we're here, because a lot of these talks that we have about culture, it's a lot of introspection. It's a yeah. lot of, you know, taking a personal inventory and where we can improve. improve. Because what we do, guys, has repercussions mm -hmm. on a lot of other people. Uh, the people that we lead, obviously, the church that we lead. And that's why we're trying to establish the right culture. Yes. A vision is what we do. Culture is who we are. Yes. You can have the best vision, but if you don't have the right culture, 
you're not going to be equipped. That's right. You know, you're not going to be qualified to mm -hmm. get to the vision that you're trying to achieve. Yes. Michelle. Go ahead, Michelle. When someone acts out of character, and I know that sometimes as leaders we can get offended, but the other important thing about the eye that we need to know is that the eye in our body is one of the fastest healing parts of our body. Mm -hmm. So it's very wise that Jesus uses the eye because we're very careful with it because it's very sensitive, mm -hmm. but it's also the fastest healing part of our body. And That's as so leaders, awesome. we need to be quick to heal as well. Yes. A lot of reasons why people sometimes, like we mentioned a few already, you know, they, they crossed the line or they said something that usually we wouldn't expect from them. And when that happens to you, just take a moment and say, I think this person is having a bad day or you know what, this person might not be feeling well. You'd be surprised what lack of vitamins do to a person. Yes. <laughs> lack, of, lack of sleep, Ozzy's always mentioning that. Thank you, Ozzy. Hunger. Lack of hunger. hunger. Hey, you guys, I need, to, I need to add this to my notes. Michelle's pointing to herself with two thumbs, hunger. Hunger changes people. And we laugh, but lack of vitamin D, it'll, it'll make people sluggish not cooperative, not in the mood. Everybody's going to go get labs after the podcast. <laughs> um, sometimes they're going through a rough season, guys. Maybe they're transitioning jobs. Finances, how many of you know that financial pressures can change a person? It'll take away their peace. Yeah. It'll bring stress to their lives. Another thing is when there's marital problems at home, how stressful is that? That can change a person. How about when a parent is struggling with a child? I don't know what to do with this kid. And I'm talking about volunteers. Imagine 300 volunteers in the church. What kind of scenarios can we not mention, right? Other people are like just spiritually, they're drained, they're spent. This is uh, one that I want to focus a little more on. It sounded like moron, but I want more. I, I want to focus on this a little more. <laughs> Think about this. Some volunteers are fairly new in their salvation, in their, in their walk with Christ. They're not at the same spiritual maturity as you are. So they don't know how to react to certain problems. They don't know a lot of uh, ethics in ministry. They don't mean to offend you. They see it different. Another thing, personalities are different. And it's a matter of perception. For example... It happens to my husband and me a lot. Like somebody said something and then I walk away and I said, "Hun, did you hear what the person said? They said it like this. And he'll like, no, they didn't say it like that. They said it like this. So my personality and my husband's personality are very different. So the way I receive things is a matter of perception. And you have to lean on the side of mercy than on the side of judgment. Yeah, I think that the main reason why we get offended with people, it boils down to this. When our experience doesn't meet our expectation of somebody. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a certain expectation. You experience something else. When there's a gap between what you expect and what you experience, you get to choose what you fill that gap with. You can oh, either yes. you can choose to think the worst of the person wow. or you can choose to think the best. Mm -hmm. So a very simple example. If you expected somebody to get to your appointment at 9 o'clock, and they got in at 9.30? That wasn't on purpose. Abraham's that wasn't a jab at anybody. Uh, <laughs> there was ouch. Okay. You expected them at 9. They got there at 
You choose. I can either think, man, this person's irresponsible. This person does not honor time. This person probably woke up late. I can think the worst, or I can say, you know what? They may have been an accident on the road. Hey, maybe they had an emergency. They have kids. Maybe the kid threw up, you know? And it's just <laughs> funny how we always think the worst of somebody, and in order to think the best, we have to be intentional. Especially when there isn't a pattern, you always wanna be intentional about leaning to giving the person the benefit of the doubt. Now, when there is a pattern established that makes it difficult to give somebody the benefit of the doubt, then you have to confront in a loving way and say, hey, look, we've noticed that this has become a pattern. Maybe there is a perfect explanation. Maybe there is a reasonable justification, but you need to have that conversation. The other thing that it does is that it, it frees you from offense. I was pulling up the very first vision conference that I gave here at Vital Church, what, maybe eight years ago. years ago. And I mentioned that there's two things that you cannot afford to be in leadership. You can't afford to be self-centered and you wow. cannot afford to be easily offended. What we're talking about right now addresses those two things. Yes. Because when you take the log out of your own eye first, you're going to treat the other person, as we mentioned, the way that you want to be treated and the way that they deserve to be treated. You're going to be less selfish, right? Because That's sometimes, right. especially in leadership, it's easy to fall into a double standard, like certain rules apply to me, but not to everybody else or vice versa. Rules for thee, but not for me, you know, mm -hmm. because we think that our position of authority or our leadership somehow exempts us. Rather than thinking that we're the exemption, we need to be the example. That's when you, good. You so, need to repeat that. Right? Yeah. Rather than thinking you're the exemption, you need to be the example. Wow. And when you take the log out of your own eye, you're looking inward first, right? Yeah. So that make, makes you less, less self-centered, more understanding. It allows you to put yourself in the other person's shoes, right? And then That's the good. other thing about getting easily offended, you, that we don't have that luxury as leaders, when you employ that kind of mercy and you give the benefit of the doubt, believe it or not, that protects your heart too. Because if I'm driving down the road and somebody cuts me off, right? The way that I would judge myself when I've cut somebody off, it's because they were in my blind spot, yeah. you know? Mm. <laughs> hey, I'm a good Christian wow. person. I'm driving, minding my own business. If I Preach. cut you off, it wasn't on purpose. You were in my blind spot. I'm so sorry. But if somebody cuts me off, I'm like, man, this guy's not paying attention. What is he doing? You know, uh, God bless you. You know, we give a <laughs> Christian curse word, you know, um, wow. because, because we tend to judge. Listen to this, guys. We tend to judge others on their actions. We judge ourselves on our intentions. Wow. That's where a double standard is created. And what we need to do then is, in taking the log out of our own eye, in looking inward, is also protect our hearts that we don't fall into that double standard. That's why you need to judge the way that you would judge yourself, because it's always going to lean you towards benefit of the doubt. I love that because it is so true. You want to judge ourselves and others judge us according to our intention. Oh, but that was not my intention. Right. If you took it that way, I didn't mean it that way. Another very tricky situation is here amongst our staff. We work together, you know, every day, and there are some things that overlap. For example, creatives. You know, God bless our creative team because they're working with every ministry trying to create visuals that fit to every ministry and meet all the challenges and the expectations. And when we come back, now we say, you know what? Can we change this? Can we adapt this? Can we adapt that? 
One of the things that we always tell our creative team is don't take it personal. Mm -hmm. This is a matter of vision. This is a matter of like working together and making something better. Uh, we constantly, you know, speak to our production team and we say, hey, can we do this a little bit different? Can we do that a little bit different? And if you're easily offendable, you're going to be like, well, what do they know? The pastor doesn't know anything about cameras, yeah. you know? Pastor, you don't know anything about sound. You know what I mean? And I love that most of us are in that place or all of us are in that place where we realize this is not personal. Right before we came on, Rodney was telling us that one of the unique things about this team, how many of us are in here? Maybe a dozen of us in here right now. Um, he said, everybody here is a creative. And it's true. true. When you think about it, sometimes our That's roles true. might not be described as a creative role. But at the end of the day, everybody here is a creative. Yeah. And so those things tend to happen where you have the same goal, but you have different approaches. Yes. I'll never forget when we were children, and Abraham can attest to this, we would go to these pastor's councils because that was like our little mini vacations. You know, <laughs> the pastors had to go and get together at a district council and we would stay at the hotel and enjoy the pool. But sometimes we would go with them and we'd go into these business meetings where pastors were debating and pastors were going at it, arguing. And as kids, we're looking at this scene and we're like, these are our pastors, like, <laughs> what in the world, you know? And then we would go, we would break for lunch and dad, I remember mom and dad would always guard our hearts in this sense and they would explain, hey, did you notice how people were arguing? Yes. And they're all pastors? Yes. And uh, they'd say something to the effect of like, what you need to understand is that they're all passionate about God. They're all passionate about the church. They're all passionate about the Great Commission. Our goals are the same. We're trying to get to the same place. But our perspectives, our approaches, our strategies might differ. But because you're passionate about the same thing, you're going to state your position with passion. And that was a good life lesson for me in leadership that I carry till this day. There's going to be people that are passionate about their area and how they see we yeah. can get to the goal that we're all trying to get to. And they're going to state their position with passion. We need to be careful as leaders not to interpret that mm -hmm. as disrespect. Give them the benefit of the doubt, you know. They would be arguing and they would be having lunch together. Yeah, that's the thing. They would, they would argue, like they would debate. And then they'd have lunch together, the pastors. Let's, let's call it they were having intense fellowship at one point and yeah. then lunch at and another And then relaxed point. fellowship. <laughs> Going back, when you do have uh, uh, a set goal or a set idea in mind, speaking about the creatives, yes. it's very important to communicate. We, we stress this, I think, every single podcast. Yes. But I, I do mixes for a living. I, I make music sound better. So people yes. record music and they give it to me and... And, and I mix it and I make it sound good. But one of the biggest challenges for me is when I don't have any communication from the artist or from the producer or mm. from both. Whenever they're just, okay, do your thing. And then when you do your thing <laughs> and they don't like your thing, going back to the, yeah. the, the you know, that sometimes creatives can get a little bit yeah. like hurt because, yes. you know, it, it didn't meet the expectation. It's not what they were looking for. The biggest thing for me in that moment so that I can be able to move on, yeah. and I think this is a good uh, leadership concept, is for the leader or for that person in that moment to tell me, hey, this is not what I was looking for, but let me give you a little bit of an example. Yeah. Let me give you a direction. And then it clicks. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. This is what I thought they meant, but now I know what exactly. they really want. Mm -hmm. 
clear direction is important when mm -hmm. speaking to creators. It gives us a vision to be able to follow. Yeah, really it's kind of like what you do, Carla, here with systems and protocols and job descriptions. Why do we use job descriptions? Because we want to lay out on paper and make it plain and clear what's expected of everybody's role. Yes. That way we have something to fall back on, again, when those expectations mm -hmm. are not met. We're able to say, hey, we communicated it clearly. In fact, we put it in writing. In fact, you signed it, you know, mm -hmm. type of thing. And so that makes the correction process, if you will, that much easier without people getting offended. One of the things uh, that I want to mention is if you're in the same team, I'm talking about like our volunteers, don't assume the worst of your co-laborers. I've heard this phrase, um, did you see how they looked at me? Did you see how she looked at me? Yes. Yeah. I mean, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke that. <laughs> like, that really has to go amongst us. And my husband always says, how can you determine and draw so many conclusions from a look, right? <laughs> and I'll be honest, sometimes I want to draw conclusions. <laughs> maybe they had but, an upset stomach. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe they you needed know, to use You know how your face gets when you have an upset stomach? You're like, oh, you know, and then it can be something that simple sometimes. And Well, the tone that they used or uh, the look that they gave me. And I get it. <laughs> I, on the flip side, we need to be careful the tone that we use and the looks that we give, you know, because, you know, our body language also speaks. But at the same time, don't draw conclusions that weren't made. And I am going to say, I'm talking about incidents that are out of character because some people do have some looks. And my husband always says, if you're happy in your heart, let your face know you're happy in your heart. Some people do need, right? But those are very few people. Some of us have to work on it because it's natural. Yeah, yes. sometimes and it's natural. And I was going to say, and Abraham's saying, I don't know if, if y'all heard it, but that some of us have to work on it. I remember um, that. I had a, a situation in, in leadership early on in the life of the church, and we had a, a brother that, Northeast Coast, and uh, they have a certain tone that we're not used to <laughs> down here, and they have certain mannerisms. And he had this habit where he would point at you and kind of like looking through the crosshairs, you know, like, hey, I told you in A, you know, like that. And I had to set him aside and I was like, hey, in our Mexican culture, when you point somebody through their crosshairs, <laughs> like that's that's a fighting tone, you know, so you gotta scale it back. And you he's need such to, a loving brother. He and really he's didn't, such a he, loving, he wasn't he's such a teddy bear, but he didn't mean to, but that yeah. was just his tone and those were his mannerisms, <laughs> so to speak. But sometimes like Abraham says, if you know you're that person, then you have to, uh, watch yourself, check yourself, yeah. <laughs> and pay attention and to that. And I reiterate, it's when when this is an ongoing thing of a person, yes, make those changes, you know? Uh, but when it's out of character, that's why I'm saying, hey, don't get offended easily. Because um, this is just a distraction of the enemy. When you stay offended, when you start assuming things, the enemy is using this to distract you from the main goal, yeah. from the main thing. And the main thing is spreading the gospel, pushing the vision forward, and giving the Lord excellence and expanding the kingdom of God in this earth. Yeah. And so the enemy uses, uses such frivolous things to bring us down, yes. to hurt us, to confuse us, and it's up to us to close that door. It's been said that if the enemy can't destroy a church or destroy a leader, he'll distract them. Wow. And I'll add to that, he can divide too. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
And we'll do it to ourselves if he can't do it to us. Yep. Ozzy. I just wanted to say, because uh, this is a topic that, that we deal with a lot with the young adults uh, mm. being offended and everything like that. <laughs> and when they come to us, one of the things I always tell them, I go, look, uh, first of all, not being offended is a sign of maturity. Because yes, you can true. look for a Praise bunch God. of reasons as to why to be offended. But when you start to look for reasons not to be offended, that's a sign of maturity. Yeah. Yes. And again, it protects your heart. For example, we tell the story, me and my brothers, of my dad. Just the way that there's love languages, there's also languages for other important sentiments or emotions, right, in the human life. For example, forgiveness. I was 35 years old. The first time I remember my dad saying sorry, like the words, I'm sorry. Mijo, perdóname. But throughout my life, in my late teens, I started catching on to the fact that though it was difficult for my dad to utter the words, I'm sorry, in his own way, through generosity, he would express that he was sorry or remorse or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, it was difficult for him to say the words. And yes, it's preferable mm -hmm. that somebody would humble themselves and say, hey, I'm sorry. And I would even think to myself, man, my dad's forgiveness language, like it's expensive because it's, it's, <laughs> it's money. Like instead of just saying I'm sorry, he'd rather give you 50 bucks to go have dinner with your wife. Right. And it's like it's, it's more expensive than him just humbling himself. But at the same time, guys, when I started catching on and I said, wait a minute, but this is his own way. It's not the way I want to receive the apology, but it's his way of giving it. And if I accept it, if I can see through that mm -hmm. and say in his own way, he's apologizing. Guess what that does? It protects my heart from offense mm -hmm. because he didn't say I'm sorry, but I took it as an apology. Yes. And my heart begins to heal. We have to be careful because not only does it free you from the offense or it frees your being from, yeah. from feeling offended, it frees you from sin. Because yeah. what happens when somebody does something intentional toward you, uh, well, you feel offended and that's legitimate. Mm -hmm. But when you perceive that that is something that is going on and it's really not, then your mind easily goes into judgment mode. Yes. And that becomes a sin. It goes from an offense to judgment Right. And then we're accountable because yeah, if that person's intent or that person's actions did not mean what we thought they meant. Right. Then we're judging. The way I state it is I'd rather not judge than judge unjustly because the former is not a sin. The, the latter is. Yes. Sometimes we're counseling a couple and they're going through a marital problem and they each have their own version of the story. True. And those two versions are polar opposites. Listen, I've been around long enough to know that the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. But I've had to tell them, I've had to say before, I'll be the dumb one that believes both of you, that gives both of you the benefit of the doubt for two reasons. Number one, me picking sides is not going to solve your marital problems. And second of all, I'd rather not judge than judge unjustly. Yes, so I'm going to believe yes. both of you. I'll be the one to be deceived, so to speak, voluntarily, for the sake of not judging you unjustly. Amen to that. We need to realize that we need each other. Absolutely. You know, and it's very self-centered for me to think that I'm the one that thinks right. My answer is the best answer. Mm -hmm. That's completely not godly. <laughs> the only perfect one is our Father in heaven. And I personally, when we have to make some decisions, I make decisions with a lot of fear of the yes. Lord. 
And I pray, Lord, this is a decision that we're making, and we pray it aligns to your will. You know, there's responsibility in that. We have to realize, I have to realize that I can glean from others, that I can learn from others, that I can grow with others, and that me alone or my husband and I as a couple, there's only so much we can do, but if we surround ourselves with a team and we realize we need each other and we're not easily offended, but we help each other grow, the team can do so much more. The kingdom of God will win. Ephesians 4.23, Fernie. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's fault because of your love. Making allowance, wow, that's so good. Wow, that is so good. The way I take that scripture is make allowance means, you know, this is not typical of this person. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that was not their intention, right? Exercise grace. That's Exercise I mean. a lot of grace. I also want to read Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, mm-hmm. forgive as the Lord forgave you. Wow. So if we choose to hold on to resentment and offense and we don't release forgiveness, we're withholding the blessings of the Father for our lives. When you cover offenses with love, when you make allowances for people's faults, so to speak, you'll become, again, less offendable and more compassionate. We've said this before. Hurt people hurt people, right? There's an example in the Old Testament. Job, while he was going through all of his suffering... His words at times offended his friends. And there was, there was one time when his friends expressed their displeasure to Job. Hey, the way you're, you're talking to us, the way you're addressing us, it's offensive. Mm-hmm. And Job 6.26, I love this verse. Job says, this is New King James Version. Do you intend to rebuke my words and the speeches of a desperate one, which are as wind? What he was saying was, treat my words like the wind. Mm-hmm. They're coming from a place of pain. They're coming from a place of desperation. Don't give them any weight. Don't rebuke me for what I told you when I was desperate. Wow. See, there's probably a brokenness or a pain in someone's life that may cause him or her to have broken patterns of communication with us. And what feels hurtful and offensive to us is probably more about what's going on in their lives or what's wrong in their lives and what's wrong with us. And so, again, make allowance for each other's faults. Cover offenses with love. And I just feel completely moved this morning, you know, reading these scriptures, because I think of all the times that I have offended the Lord in my walk with Him. I think of all the moments I've needed His grace. I think of all the moments that I've needed His mercy, His forgiveness, His patience, and His love. When I mess up, because he knows uh, our hearts, he knows our intentions, and he's so forgiving and he's so loving, and his love covers a multitude of sins. And that's how I try my best to approach people, knowing how my father has to be patient with me, how he has to give me mercy every single morning, just extend his grace and his favor over my life. That's how I try to walk and in dealing with with other people. Because I know in my heart, I don't wanna be resentful. I don't wanna be offended because I'm just giving the enemy the luxury of holding me back, of holding me hostage to unforgiveness. And all those things don't come from God. And I definitely don't want to withhold my own blessings, right? It's way better for me to release forgiveness and to have my hands open to whatever the Lord has for our lives. And I read this quote, 
One person has limits, but a team working together becomes limitless. Come on, that's good. I just want to encourage you know everybody here and everybody who's listening. Let's find ways to lift each other up instead of finding ways to tear each other down. Come on. I want to read this scripture that I think is so powerful. I think everybody should highlight it. It's out of the NIV, Proverbs 19, 11. It says, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Wow. I love that scripture because every time that you forgive and cover an offense with love, it stimulates that spiritual maturity that we were talking about. Yes. And I'll illustrate like this. In New Zealand, over 40% of the bird population are flightless. They don't fly. Because there are no ground-living predators like snakes or bobcats or wow. foxes or wolves. Thus, through, through the generations of these species, these birds have lost their wings because they have no need to fly. It illustrates that if we never face offense and opposition, then there'd be no occasion to be elevated and promoted. See, God will always use the maturity that comes from overcoming offenses to help us soar. If you want to soar like an eagle, you'll have to face offense and adversity. It's kind of the classic illustration of the airplane. It takes off in the opposite direction of the wind. It's the headwind, it's the opposing headwinds that make it rise. And in the same way, offense and adversity will make us rise yes. because it makes us lift our eyes to the heavens. It makes us cry Amen. out to God. It will lift our prayer life. It will make us lift our hands to the Father saying, God, I don't know how to deal with this and I need my heart to stay clean and I need to be free from resentment. And so if you don't help me, I'm not going to be able to, you know, keep it together. Yes. And so again, remember that scripture, it's to a man's glory to overlook an offense. The calling before us, guys, is much greater than the offenses Amen. that are behind us. Amen. Our life is too short. Our calling is too great. And our leadership is too important for Amen. us to be held captive by offense. Amen. So just to close, let's find ways moving forward. When somebody does something out of character, find ways to see the good and stay on the unoffendable side of things. And let's hand out a lot of grace the way we want to be treated. Can I add something real quick? Just to add to your closing. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> when I looked up that first uh, vision conference that I was talking about, I closed it out with this, and I think it's worth rehashing real quick. Five commitments that we should make amongst each other as leaders, and it's on this subject of offense. Yes. Number one, whenever there's a margin between what I expected and what I experienced, I will choose to give the benefit of the doubt. Yes, amen. Number two, when others think the worst of you, I will come out to your defense. Mm. Number three, if what I experienced begins to break my trust in you, then I'll come directly to you. Mm. Instead of gossiping, instead of yes. going to third parties, I'll come yes. directly to you to address it. Number four, whenever I am convinced that I cannot keep a promise, I will let you know as soon as possible or ahead of time. Wow. In other words, I'm gonna, I'm not just going to leave it hanging in the air. Consequences be what they are. No, I'm going to come and tell you I made a promise, but I'm not going to be able to keep it. And mm -hmm. number five, when I am confronted about the margins that I've created, the margins between what you expected of me and what you experienced from me, I will tell you the truth. Mm 
I think that if we hold on to those five, that's going to keep a very healthy culture in our leadership. Very good stuff, hon. Praise God. This topic was very uplifting in helping teams work together. So stay in your lane <laughs> was the first point, And give the benefit of the doubt. Thank you guys for your time. God bless you. Our listeners, thank you guys. Yes, thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Or we'll talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs> We hope you enjoyed being in the room with the leadership team at Vital Church. We pray that whatever takeaways you got from our time together will enrich your life, your leadership, and your spiritual walk. Remember to visit our website, vitalchurch.com, for all things Vital Church, and to follow this podcast so that you can join us for the next episode of In the Room.